career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, 40-plus guys, and 50-plus, and 60-plus, and maybe we've even got some 70-plus, maybe 80-plus. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a 90-plus guy listening to this. But as we enter into this next adventure in life, I hate to tell you guys it's coming and some of us felt it in our 40s. Some probably even felt it in our 30s to some degree. Senior moments are coming. They're coming at you and they could be everything from, oh, I just forget things to, wait, did I already say that? To, I know I did this. Whatever it looks like, they're coming. It's just part of where we go as people and humans, and especially as men, this can be like a slap upside the head, like what is going on? Well, men, it's inevitable. And today I feel really blessed to have somebody who's very supportive of our community, who really just has taken a unique perspective and look at how do we prevent these senior moments or embrace them? More so, he's teaching us how to stay really sharp clear into our 90s. That's the reason, guys, I said, I know some of you, I know I have a couple of listeners listening that are in their 90s. I'm really excited to have him here. His name is Stan Goldberg, and he has a book that I've already alluded to, Preventing Senior Moments, How to Stay Sharp into Your 90s and Beyond. And Stan, thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year, man, and welcome to 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. Well, thank you, Rick. I'm delighted to be here. I'm honored that you asked me, and hopefully I can offer some suggestions that will help people. Well, one of the things I'm sure that you will be able to help is, I mean, you've probably been in your own world because you live in the Bay Area. You probably have been around a lot of my community. I mean, you can't really live in the San Francisco area and not be around our community. And I love it that you're embracing and open to being with us here. So I just want to say, I really feel honored that you're an ally in that way, but gay or straight. This is going to happen, right? This Absolutely. senior moment stuff. Yeah. So, so what drew you into it? I know you, you know, you have some backgrounds in this. You're a professor. You know, I want to don't want to list off all your stuff. I want to give you the glory of kind of touting out some of that stuff. <laughs> but what kind of drew you to this? Other than you write a lot of stuff, a lot of books. You've won some awards for your fiction, mm -hmm. not fiction and nonfiction books. I mean, what drew you to like, hey, let's let's do something about senior moments? Well, it was something very personal. Uh, I have a good friend of mine who lives in uh, North Carolina, and he's also an amateur astronomer. And so mm -hmm. I was down there. I don't know whether it was Halley's Comet or one of the other comets, but it was one that was fairly close to the Earth. Okay. And we were driving, and he pointed and said, Stan, here, look, there's that comet. And I don't know what I was thinking. I probably had my mind on other things. I said, well, how far is it away from here, Rich? And he said, it's 13 million miles away. And then I said, my next question was, is that from here or your house? And I thought about it. I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> and and I wanted to find out why. I mean, why Why would I say something like that, which obviously people would call the senior moment? 
Right. And so I started looking into it. I started looking at at the literature on on senior moments. And what absolutely shocked me was 99% of everything written that you could get on Amazon about senior moments implied that they're just funny, you know, sort of like mm. a punchline for a Saturday night uh, monologue. Yep. And I thought, well, you know, they're not all like that. And is there something going on that's more than, than humor? And I actually learned that there was, and it actually happened uh, probably about a year or two after that. Um, my mother at that time lived in Florida. And she would come out to visit my wife and I, usually a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. And when we came out, she came out here, um, she would usually cook for, for us when we'd get back from work. And um, I came home once and I couldn't find her. You know, the door was unlocked and we have a, uh, a deck off the back of the house with a steep incline that goes into a forested area. And I'm looking, and I can't see her anywhere, and I'm getting a little concerned. Uh, so I went out the back, and as I was getting ready to call 911, I see her emerging out of the forest, and she's carrying twigs and leaves. And I said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, I'm straightening out the forest. And I said, but it's a forest, Mom. And that became a senior moment. Uh, it was. I thought it was a senior moment. It was something that I shared with the family, and every year when we'd gather, you know, everyone would talk about my mother's senior moments, and they would bring that up. Well, she died on um, Christmas Day, about ten years after that, hmm. and at her funeral, people started telling me about her strange behaviors, and that it actually she was getting, uh, she was having difficulty. Uh, being oriented at night and she would be, she would do strange things in the house. And I realized that what I was calling a senior moment was significantly more than that. And it could have been, you know, some of the initial stages of dementia. Now, senior moments are not that often part of dementia, but essentially said to me, maybe you need to rethink about this. And so I started looking into senior moments and I realized that, yes, you may have some that are humorous, but most of them aren't. And they're not just, you know, if, if you look at the definitions in the books, they'll talk about a senior moment as being, you know, humorous or embarrassing statements or a behavior. Uh, and then that said by people over 60 and maybe related to memory. Well, that's not really the case. Senior moments are information processing errors that may or may not be related to memory and may give an indication of future cognitive problems. And that started me going. And I realized I really needed to talk about it and do some research. And that was the genesis of the book. You know, that's really interesting because part of my other world, which most of my listeners know about, is I not only coach gay men in the coming out process and in life, but I'm also working with professional speakers in my, what well, I'll call my day job, so to speak. I said, hey, let's go do this. Let's bring some steady income in on top of the steady income I already make as a coach. And one of my favorite students in that work, I haven't talked to her in a while. I'm going to say God bless her if she's not with us still. Um, I think when she started the program, she was 78 
and I'm going at uh, 78. I don't want, <laughs> I want to be kind of done, so to speak. Um, she actually was a therapist and she talks about what if it's not Alzheimer's? What if it's not dementia? And she similar, like she looks at because of her own experience, they kept saying, this is what's going on. You have this, you got that. By the time they really un unpacked all of it, it wasn't any of that. There was some dehydration problems that were going on. Yeah. There was some lack of certain nutrients. There were some other things, you know, with her physical body that were going on. But none of it was actually what we tend to jump to, you know, and as exactly. with having my own aging parents and they're not that old. I mean, I mean, for listeners, I'm 60. My dad is 80. So do the math. I was a very, very big surprise, so to speak. Um, my mom was 17 when she had me. My dad was 20. And yeah, there's times I'm talking to my dad and going, okay, he already asked that question, but he's sharp as a whip. I mean, he gets out there and he works in his wood shop. He still does stuff around the house. He was, he literally brought a 400 pound rock out of the ground this summer when he shouldn't have been doing any of this. Like I'm going to get it out. Cause I don't want it in the yard anymore to, I'm sorry. You can't be claiming any of this is dementia, Alzheimer's setting in. Yes. I know there's moments that they can have be full functioning. I'm not trying to knock those diagnoses, but I just feel like Stan, sometimes we've gotten so accustomed, like, Oh yeah, this is what it is. Oh yeah. This is what mm -hmm. it is. And sometimes I think we jump too soon. We do. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, what I found is that people don't realize that as we get older, and I'm 78, as we get older, uh, we, we wind down a little bit cognitively. We, it's not that we're not as sharp as we were, but we take a little bit longer to do things. We might need a little bit more, you know, a few more aids to do things. Yep. But the... It's very easy for someone who is younger to look at that and say, this guy is, is beyond his prime, that, right. you know, that he is getting ready for the old age home. And in fact, that's not the case. Uh, one of the things that, that happens is as we get older, we, we re need to rely a little bit more on what I call compensatory strategies, ways of achieving everything that we did 20 years ago, but we may need to do it a little differently now. One of the the, the, the greatest examples is speed. You know, when, when we're young, when I was young, you know, I looked at doing things quickly, you know, the yep. fast, the faster, the better, you know, uh, the more multitasking, the better it was. And what, what happens as you get older, uh, speed and multitasking are not your friends. They are the enemy. And in order to compensate, it's a very simple process of just reducing the speed. You know, there in, in the book, I have, um, there's nine strategies, excuse me, eight strategies that people can use to compensate for the normal aging process. You know, one of those, and I think one of the biggest, but the most effective strategies is to slow down. Mm -hmm. You know, I, the best analogy I can give is to think about a pocket watch. You know, in, in the old time pocket watches be, before electronics, you know, you had, the, you had these incredible wheels and mm -hmm. with spokes in them. And they had to match mesh perfectly in order for the, the watch to work. 
If you got a piece of dust or something in there and those sprockets didn't mash per perfectly, you know, you, you the watch would stop or it would not be accurate. If you look at meshing your interests and your, your brain's capabilities, we often have that clanging of, of, uh, of sprockets. Yep. So the, the easiest way of handling that is you slow down. You know, I used to work with uh, people that had communicative disorders when I was at the university. And one of the categories that I worked with was people who were stutterers. And, and I could get them to be completely fluent merely by slowing down their speech. When I worked with people who had uh, aphasia, which is a language problem, resulting from a stroke, I could do the same thing. And with children who had problems in articulation, once again, the same thing. So it, it, if you look at the research, it's almost universal that with many of these disorders and just in normal cognitive awareness, if you just slow down in your reading, in your listening, and in your doing of things, you're going to end up being much more successful than if you assume you could go at the same rate that you did 10, 15 years ago. I see that in myself all the time. And, and part of the like slowing down is I'll try to be thinking of something. And it, it's almost always like a celebrity or a mm -hmm. show that I've seen or you know, not so much places we've been, though for some reason those kind of stick in a really good way. But I literally can be trying to talk about, you know, a musical we just went to or, you know, somebody that we just saw. And sometimes it's not just in the last six months. And it's not going to come forward. It's not coming forward. And of course, then what do I do? I start getting frustrated. So I start, start to like forcing it into being, right? Mm -hmm. But as soon as I just relax and go, okay, quit trying to think about it and go, well, I'll, I'll come up with it in a minute. And I literally will say that in conversation. Like, I can't remember right now, but I'll, I'll remember and of course, you know, 30 seconds later, here it comes because I was not rushing, trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I slowed down my thoughts because it's, if you're rushing through your thoughts, like, got to make, come on, think it up. You can do this. You, yeah. What's going on? And of course, one of the first things that does every so often still pop in my mind, like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. You know, this should not be happening to me. I'm only 60, you know? Well, there isn't a magical age that this stuff can start happening. So Absolutely you know, take that magic wand out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Um, and I have found I'm much more relaxed. I've also noticed that, you know, certain people in my life kind of like, Hey, just, just stop. Just stop. My husband's really good about like, okay, just, you know, he can't think of stuff either. Mm -hmm. So now he's like, oh, wow, I, I get what you mean. Now, I will caveat this. And most people who have listened to the podcast know I'm a two-stroke survivor. So I'm not surprised to some degree that the second stroke, I, I don't feel like I have residuals, but it's a little more prevalent than it was. First one, never had an issue. Nothing. I didn't feel the slowdown. It was four years ago now. The last one was a year ago, just a year ago last week. I can tell there's been some deficit, but not anything that I'm like, oh my gosh, lock me up, put me away, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I also give room for, we don't know. We don't know with these beautiful bodies that we have until it's really prevalent. 
Now, luckily they've done a lot of tests. They're like, you know, they do the typical, can you see this? Can you read this? Can you do this? Can you do this? We are talking about, uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky, but I also am giving myself room to go, Hey man, your body's gone through a couple of pretty traumatic events here. Mm-hmm. So give yourself a freaking break. You know, right. and I think, I think that's what some people don't give themselves room to do is give themselves some room and mm-hmm. walk away. I know one of the articles you have on your website is the, um, I think it's the seven most toxic myths about senior moments. Mm-hmm. I remember when I read it and actually folks, it's published in psychology today. I was like, everybody I know should read this. And when somebody's saying I'm having a senior moment, I'm like, well, you know what? <laughs> I, I know this guy who wrote this. I mean, after, after you set your stuff in, I'm like, of course, I'm going to go poke around and look at, since I know I'm going to mm-hmm. be interviewing you. But don't you think that's part of it is we've gotten so easily adapted to, okay, here's, this is what it is versus mm-hmm. questioning. Is this really what it is? Yeah. I, I think, I, I think that that's an excellent point. What I've, what I've found is that, that many of us tend to live our lives by myths, yeah. you know, not, not, not only in terms of senior moments, but, you know, politically and socially, yep. it's much easier believing in a myth than it is in looking at facts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, myths surrounding senior moments are, you know, are ridiculous. And yep. worse than that, they are, uh, they're devastating. It's interesting you, you mentioned the stroke. Let me, let me t- talk to, about another myth that I think ties right into there. For a long period of time, uh, people, you know, the uh, neurologists and psychologists thought that once brain cells die, they can't be regenerated. Mm. So, and, and it was especially true with stroke. And, and, and by the way, my wife also has had two strokes. So mm. I, I'm very familiar with what's going on with that. And what, you know, what, what the, the theory was that, you know, you, you have a stroke or you, uh, you have dementia or mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, well, actually Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, but any form of dementia and cells die and that's it. You know, yep. cognitively, you're you're over the hill. It's over, and what they found is that's not true. That mm-hmm. you can actually regenerate new neurons and neural connections. Fantastic findings, right. yep. and the way that ties in both to uh, to stroke and just looking at um, at senior moments is we can do things proactively that not only will stop the uh the degeneration of, of our cognitive abilities but actually improve it and you can do that through things that are creative and things that are uh stimulating you know very simple things you know instead of following a recipe exactly as as it's written what happens if you try to think about i'm going to substitute you know time for oregano uh, mm-hmm. That process, you know, is actually stimul- can stimulate new neurons. And it's a whole variety of things. You don't have to produce something spectacular. It's the process that matters. So and that was actually, actually one of the strategies uh, that I talk about, the importance of instead of watching reruns of Law and Order all day long. I mean, it's, it's great for relaxation, but do something creative, something mm-hmm. as simple as 
inventing a new recipe, doing some wood sculpting. You know, you're like your father going into the workshop and actually creating something. So yeah. we can do many things that will prevent senior moments. It just takes some effort. Well, it does just take some effort, you know, and um, we all have these lovely little things that y'all can't see us on camera, but I'm holding up my lovely smartphone. There are so many things you can do to be creative with your smartphone. You can take photos. You can play yep. word games. You can play any kind of a game. But we go, oh, well, I don't know what to do. It's all in the palm of your hands, folks. Mm -hmm. Every bit of it. Even if it's finding a woodworking class. Even if it's finding a pottery class. Even And it doesn't even have to be something quite like that. It can be as simple as, hey, instead of, and I, I'm going to use myself as an example here. I, I, I'm very blessed I get to work from home. I have worked from home since, pretty much since 2003. And I love it. It helped us raise our children. It helped me start my business. It ha And I'm not one of those that like can get easily distracted. I know how to go put the laundry in and let it get done. And then when I get my next break to go hop over there, fold it up and get right back to work. I'm not easily distracted by, ooh, I'm in the house, right? But here's what I've learned, Stan, as I've started to continue to age, which we all do. We're all aging, folks. Every one of us, we're aging moment by moment, minute by minute is my cognitive abilities can slow down a whole lot if I stay right here in this room all day long doing what I do, which is great. I do my work. I run my business. I get all that done. But the moment I take time to get out of the house and go swim or go take a walk or go do something like make dinner, make dinner for this evening, Anything that gets my brain going, oh, we're not in this mode. We're not in this mode. We're not in this mode. Because our brain can become, at least from my perspective, very mundane. Okay, this is all we do. Mm -hmm. And now you're not, you're not challenging it. One of the things I've done just recently that I've found the funnest is I'm not a games person on my phone, but I found a word game that I really enjoy playing. And I'll play it at, at, at a drop of a hat. Like, okay, I'll play it while the TV's on and I'm not even paying attention. I played it on the last flights I went on. I play it sometimes right before I go to bed. I'm like, let's stimulate the brain just a little bit. Not a lot because I want to go to sleep. I can't tell you, Stan, how much different I felt in the last six weeks since I've had that stupid little game that I mm -hmm. hate to call stupid on my phone because it causes the pattern interrupt. It causes exactly. me to do something completely different. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is there's a ton of neurological research to justify everything you just said. That that mm -hmm. essentially, you know, the I, I like to think of the brain as as a 10-inch pie. And it doesn't be you can't make it into a 12-inch, you can't make it into a 15-inch pie. It's 10 inches. Mm -hmm. When when you try to focus, when you try to do things, you're you're you are using up a significant portion of the brain's ability to focus. If you keep doing it, uh, you're going to exhaust it. But all yes. you need to do is, is take that short break and it just refreshes the brain. It clears out stuff and it allows you, you to function significantly better than without a break. As I age, I, I've built in a 15 minute break in every hour that I'm working. Mm. Uh, and during that 15 minutes, I will either go on my stationary bike, I'll take out a flute and I'll play that, you know, I'll do some exercises, it's anything. 
in yep. order to give my brain a break. So mm -hmm. what, what you're doing is what everybody should be doing if they want to maintain their cognitive awareness. And it can be something as simple. I mean, I have a stand-up desk mm -hmm. and I consistently, not as good as I should, but I consistently, especially on days where I'm doing a lot of coaching. So if I'm doing, you know, five or six coaching sessions throughout the day and a podcast here or there, I mean, every other session, guess what I'm doing? That stand-up desk is going up. Yeah. Because even that little bit of difference in, I'm still in the same room, but just that little bit difference of perspective, plus it's good for my body. I'm now not sitting, sitting, sitting. I'm standing. Well, the view that I'm standing is different, even though I'm looking out the same window. I have a really great mm -hmm. view out over the hills here in San Luis Obispo where we live. But that little bit of difference it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, my body feels different. You know, I can actually look down on the road versus, oh, I'm kind of looking up over to the road. I, you know, I can see things that are happening out over the hillsides versus, hey, I'm kind of staring up through the trees. My brain goes, oh, this is different. Oh, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did today, it's kind of interesting that we're actually recording this podcast today. I made a commitment to myself. I love I love working from home. There is nothing I I don't I don't know if I could actually handle being in a real office ever again. <laughs> but I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, if you're really committed to doing different stuff and being out of this combined area, I went and I found a co-working space that I think I can make work. It will mean a little bit of adjustment because I mm -hmm. I can't necessarily I could if I want to like spend a lot of money have my own office over there, but I don't really want to invest that kind of money. I just need a new environment. I'm going to commit to going because, hey, if I got out of here 10 times a month and got to go sit over there and mingle with some people and, hey, there's all sorts of benefits. I'm in a new environment. I'm meeting people that I may not meet before. I'm kind of surrounded by other like types who like, hey, and it was interesting as the guy was showing me around because he he just took over as the owner of this space. He's like, so tell me why you're here. And I was explaining, he goes, you know, it's really interesting. You're like the fifth person this week who has come in and said, I have a great home office. I love it, but I got to get out of there. I need somewhere else to go. And it's just so interesting when you give yourself that gift of saying, here's what I know I need. I'm pumped up. It's actually it's actually a revenue driver too, because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to go invest some money to go, you know, a monthly spend of X to be in that co-working space, I better bring some more clients in. You know, you know it, it, it's it's amazing uh, the number of things that we intuitively believe work that have been proven by research, you know, mm -hmm. and that the, the whole notion of, of taking a break. Uh, I mean, there's just a substantial number of studies that have looked at that. And, you know, it's, it's something that, that your brain will thank you for taking that break. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. One of the things that I, I try to do and I, I pretty much hit this one all the time. I, I space my workout. I mean, I, I, I'm good at, I can, I'm really good at coaching back to back. I can go from one coaching session right to the next. There's an energy high, like we're in the zone, right? I'm really good at when those breaks come, I get out of this room, number one, because I work from home. I will, I will go lay down. I'll like, I'm going to lay down for 10 minutes. I'm going to lay down. And people are like, how do you not fall asleep? I'm like, I don't say I didn't. I might fall asleep for just 10 minutes. But man, that little, and it's, again, this research has shown a 10, 15 minute nap is so much better for you than you're conked out for an hour, two hours. It is such an energy boost to me. And I can feel my creative juices. I can feel my cognitive juices are in such a different space, Stan, because I take that break. And, and you know, not, not only are you refreshed, 
but you also will find that you'll have fewer senior moments mm. because mm -hmm. a lot, you know, many of the senior moments result from problems in, in processing information. There's, there's four different levels of, of information processing. And if you have an, a, air, an issue in any one area, it's going to be reflective in others. So if you, you can't be attentive uh, because you are, are so you know, overwhelmed by everything you're doing, that's going to show up later when you try to retrieve certain kinds of information. Yeah. And by taking those breaks, uh, what you're doing is you're sort of resetting that whole process of how we, we take in information and what we do with it. So, you know, you could have written my book. <laughs> well, I've been doing this a while. I think some yeah. of this has been like, you know, when, you know, it was so funny, not funny when the pandemic hit, but it was kind of funny when the pandemic hit. A, a few friends of mine and I like, this kind of sucks because now everybody's working from home. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Get back out of our world. We were doing good, you know, but I think because I've been doing it so long, Stan, I knew mm -hmm. I had to develop the mental acum to like, okay, this could be really unhealthy if I don't do it the right way. Mm -hmm. This could be very addictive if I don't do it the right way. And so I made a really conscious effort. And of course, when I started doing it, Zoom didn't even exist. I mean, we were still doing mm -hmm. free teleconference, you know, <laughs> the right. dot com sort of stuff, right? But I realized, and maybe it was because my kids were younger at that time. So the breaks were natural. Mm -hmm. Get them to school, come home, work for a bit. School gets out in the middle of the afternoon. Okay. Well, by then the kids are going to be home. So there was like, I got, I have to like do work at certain times. And then even after they got home, as I got older, I could work, you know, after they got home, but then there was homework. Well, when they were doing homework, guess what I was doing? I was doing work. So I kind of got this regimented sort of way without it being regimented of like, Hey, you're always going to shift. You're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, I also think it comes from my years of being in fitness instruction where I knew the value. Like I, I was early morning spin instructor. I loved like, you know, it's hard to believe people would say that. I loved getting out of bed at 430 in the morning. Yes, dragging my ass in there, kind of tired. But there was nothing like the thrill of getting on that bike and like the music, you know, comes on. And there's those hardcore of us that were ready to do it, right? Well, that became part of my realizing all I got to do, it doesn't have to be a full on spin class. All I have to do to re-energize is make a shift, mm -hmm. any shift, yeah. you know, it can be like something as simple as I keep a, a little duster up here in the office. Like, okay, this is also a second bedroom. So, Hey, I'm always like dusting, kind of keeping a little bit clean so that, Hey, if somebody decides they're coming in, I don't have to rush around. Yes. There's times I'll clean the house too, but I'm not like, Oh, I'm completely distracted. Any little thing that changes up the monotony to me is going to help your brain health. But not only that, but you pointed out something interesting. When, when, when you do the shift, you're not going from one structure to just random things. You're going mm -hmm. from one structure to another structure. Yep. And and one of the things that we found is that uh, the importance of structure in preventing senior moments mm. that it it allows it allows you to really focus on what's important. So you know th that would that that's you know one of the the strategies that's important for preventing senior moments and that is structuring your environment in ways that is conducive to not having those senior moments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it could be something as simple as i mean we have and i think most people do but 
we have a bookshelf right by the front door, even though we come in through the garage. But there's a structure to this. Like we we are a household that doesn't wear quote shoes in the house. We have certain shoes we wear in the house. But guess what? The structure is those shoes go come off in the garage. Yeah. When we come up the stairs to the next level, that bookshelf, there's a little tray, the keys and everything go right there. I can't tell you the last time I said I can't find my keys because I haven't ever said that. I know exactly mm-hmm. where they are. Right. I know where my wallet is. It's all in the same spot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing this out of fear of, oh my gosh, am I going to forget? But there's even certain things like I know exactly when I'm getting ready to do a podcast. There's certain stacks on my desk like, okay, this is the podcast pile. So I know exactly who's coming in. I know what the date is. All these sort of things that help me continuously go, it's kind of the familiarity. I also give room for like, hey, things to change, you know? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, it will change. Yeah. The, the, the more structure you have in your life, the easier it is to retrieve memories. Mm-hmm. And the easier it is to retrieve memories, the less likely it is you're going to have senior moments. You know, it's interesting because my husband and I were having a conversation about this because we've kind of gotten into a space where, okay, we kind of just put the TV on. We don't watch. I mean, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like we do. We don't watch a lot of TV. I mean, we may have the TV on at max two hours in an evening at max. And that's pushing it. We may actually be more of like an hour. But Friday night, a lot of Saturday nights is when we'll we'll find Netflix movie or, you know, Prime movie or something. And at first I'm like, why can't I ever remember the movie we watched? Well, the reason I figured it out is because we're just watching a movie to watch a movie. But when it's a movie I really wanted to see, and when it's something I'm like, yeah, I want to see that, guess who I can remember? I remember that movie. Right. It's when I default to these others. So like Top Chef is one of our favorite shows, and we just discovered that, oh, it's on Netflix now. Probably been there a lot longer than we remember. Mm -hmm. I can remember so much about the seasons of Top Chef. But there's another cooking show that we just recently watched. I really enjoyed it. Even now, I'm like, I don't remember exactly what the name of it is. Um, It's coming to me. I think it's called Final Table or Chef's Table or something Mm -hmm. like that. It wasn't as impactful, but we watched the whole season. But what I'm linking to that is if it's not something that I found enjoyment, that I found entertainment in, that I found stimulating, I'm not surprised that I don't remember what it was. It's that simple. Yeah. And and actually, what what you've done is you pointed out to one of the key elements in in memory and that is when you're remembering something the brain makes a lot of different associations mm-hmm. the more associations you have with something the easier it is to retrieve it and yep. associations you know can be as simple as as color smell texture or yep. it can be as sophisticated as how meaningful this event or, or the the image is to you right. so you know you you've pretty much identified what is important for making memories easy to retrieve. And that is all of the different connections you can create for it. So I know in the book, you have these eight strategies and you brought up one of them. What is one that most people, and this may, I may be trying to generalize right now, but what is one that surprises most people? That's a strategy that they may go, I never thought of that. I never yeah. thought of that. 
I think that the one that we talked about was about challenging the brain with something yep. that that is creative or cognitive. Um, you know, that that's something that I found people go, wow, I didn't realize that knitting is going to make my brain as good as if I was mm -hmm. a world-class sculptor. Yeah, that's important. The other is another area um, has to do with making things lasting. You know, if you think about, about, doing behaviors that are ant antithetical to senior moments then you want to you know learn them you want them to be easily retrievable yeah. and if you can do that then you need to have some understanding about how we learn mm -hmm. we don't learn you know individual points of information we learn whole patterns mm -hmm. and uh from the, the Greatest example for me is Steph Curry when he shoots a basket from midcourt. You know, he if you if you watch him, he doesn't think about anything. He gets the ball and just shoots it. There was an interview with his trainer and they asked him how he does that. And he said that what, what Curry does before every game, he shoots at least 500 shots at least, you know, and what he's doing is he's building up a pattern in his memory. We can do the exact same thing when we're trying to do a behavior that's going to be antithetical to a senior moment. So, for example, if we don't want to get lost in a new neighborhood, if we want to avoid disorientation, we can practice, you know, not getting lost. The more you practice, the greater, the, the stronger the memory becomes, the stronger the memory the easier it is to retrieve and the easier it is to retrieve, the more appropriate it will be used. But I think that's the thing is sometimes creating these associations. Like I always go back to one of the greatest ways to remember exactly. And it, it is kind of interesting that how to start a car. We don't even think about how to start a mm -hmm. car these days. We know the key is always it's always in the right in America. In most mm -hmm. countries it's it's to the right of the steering wheel whether it's an actual key these days or a button you push the thing that was the most interesting is this past holiday season we rented a van because the kids were home and we're like okay we're gonna go do hearst castle we're gonna do some wine tasting we're gonna go out to dinner i don't want i want the whole family together i want everybody in one car so we get the car my husband comes home from picking it up he's like oh my gosh i don't know what to do with this car because there is no gear shift. <laughs> There's no gear shift. Yeah. It's a dial on the on the dashboard. It's a dial. Mm -hmm. You just turn it. Guess what? By the end of the day, he was turning that dial. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting yeah. the moment you create the association. Now, here's where I think the car manufacturer was kind of smart. They didn't put the dial on the left. They put it on the right. Because where are most you know, gear right. shifts? Those of us who are privileged enough to know how to drive stick shifts, we know exactly where that stick shift is. We know exactly the pattern of that stick shift. And then when we move from stick shifts to a regular, you know, automatic, guess what? The shift is right there by that. And then when they move to everything to like, you start the key, the start. So it's these pattern things. And if you start to think about it, most all of us forget about so many of these pattern things. We don't even think about these days. Yeah, but but actually, what happens is the reverse is also true. I mean, the patterns are a a two edged sword. If you think ab about about senior moments, most senior moments you can identify a pattern that led up to it. 
And, you know, so like when my wife can't remember where she has her glasses, there's usually something that leads to that. It could be inattention. She'd be thinking about something else. And so it, it, it reinforces senior moments. But if all you have to do is break that pattern and substitute it with one that is a non-senior moment, and you now have used both edges of that sword. So uh, patterns is both a blessing and a curse. It's such so true because sometimes the pattern is, okay, I can't think about, I can't think of this. I can't think of this. Okay. So the more you keep saying that you're creating the pattern, you're creating right. the habit. Exactly. So time that first thought you can't bring it. And I've caught myself doing it. when I started realizing, wait, why am I quote struggling so hard to remember certain things? It's because guess what the first thought is? Oh, here we go again. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably, you know, wow, I'm starting to hurt. And I'm not, again, I'm not knocking that there's a potential who knows. I mean, I see it in my dad. He, he's, his memory is definitely not as sharp as it used to be, but I'm not panicked that he's entering into those spaces of dementia or anything like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I'm very cognizant of, okay, Hey, let's pay attention. But I also know whatever you first put into that pattern and thought that can become the habit. And then mm -hmm. before you exactly. know it, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. So, um, well, I love that you have this book out there and I, I'm, I'm so happy that you made time to share with my world because, okay, let's just be honest. Men are men, gear straight. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of pride. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nothing's wrong with me. Right. And then, right. and when something like this enters in again, it doesn't matter gay or straight. Suddenly it's a, it's an assault on our quote manhood. And I know women, I'm not going to say that women don't have this struggle either, but there's something about us guys. We don't ever want to admit that something's not quite right. But right. sometimes we also don't need to think that something's not quite right. We just need to find the ways through to realize, hey, let's do some stuff to realize this may be just a simple, literally it's a simple senior moment. Now mm -hmm. let's learn how to counteract that. So again, yeah. the the book is called, go ahead and shout it out for us, Stan. It's called Preventing Senior Moments, uh, How to Stay Alert into Your 90s and Beyond. Also uh, on my website, stangoldbergwriter.com, I have uh, quite a few articles there about aging and senior moments. And I, I've become a, uh, a featured writer in psychologytoday.com. And awesome. so you'll find uh, articles there as yep. well on yep. senior moments in aging. Yeah. I, and guys, I got to be, I, I got to tell you, yes, I, I do research with all my guests. I have been on Stan's site numerous times, you know, checking out stuff for myself, for my husband, for my parents, just really trying to go, hey, it, this actually may not be exactly what I think is going on. I'm tired. So most of us are and being tired and not feeling energized. That can be stuff that contributes to this too. So sure. I appreciate your candor. I appreciate you sharing with my community and being part of this. And again, if anybody wants to get the book, I'm, a, I'm assuming that you can find it anywhere you get books, Amazon, yes. anywhere. Yep. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stan, for being here and helping us like step into the new year with some new thoughts. Now, guys, I'm going to just remind you, this is airing on the ninth. So don't have a senior moment. Just a few <laughs> days away is Valentine's day. We're giving yeah. you the, we're feeding that to you. We're helping create the habit. Don't <laughs> forget it's Valentine's day. So uh, anyway, but again, th Stan, thank you so much for being part of 40 plus gay man. Mm -hmm.
Thank you. Take care. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.